Deborah a moment to arrive and then I'll be eager to hear your questions. Would you like the heat on? What's that? Would you like the heat on? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm comfortable right I'll now. Thank you. So they know. So they know. So when, when, to, I didn't know when to go in for their interviews. No, for the for the for to the, sit. Oh, for the set. Oh, some kind of a timer outside here. This this timer, I think, if it was in the window, then you can still hear it inside, and you can read it on the outside. Oh, okay. Uh, Does that make sense? That makes sense. Anybody see any problem with that idea? Is a time sheet outside showing the time? Maybe people don't have a clock. Maybe we just have a clock. Well, if we have so, if we have a clock that's really easy and convenient to put out there, we can do that. Just the schedule for the uh, for the clock. No, no, I'm not making myself clear. Okay, for, to um. If you're outside. Outside here, yeah. it's ten thirty. You have no way of knowing it's 10.30 and you don't know that you can come in oh. here to meditate. So we could either put this in the window uh-huh. or we could put a clock outside in order to allow it to tell as well. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. Do we have another clock that would be easy to put there or should we just put this? Uh, yes. I think we have uh, extra alarm clock oh. and I will place them outside okay. on the chair or somewhere. Okay. That should... Uh, that should work. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, now, now some questions about meditation practice, especially. Meditation object. 
But my point is, it's a lot of object. Yes. Yeah, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have any shortcut or tip for us? <laughs> uh, well, yes, there, there is a tip, which uh, what you can do, you know, if, if, you're, if you're finding it difficult to uh, manage, is that you can still use the sensations in your feet and legs that are involved with walking, but just don't focus on them in such a, a, a tight, close way, but just use them to, to uh, being, being aware of the sensations in your feet and legs. To uh, to give you to give your mind a little bit of an anchor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I do that, uh, I think the main point is same as meditation. No thought first. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, when I see the flower, yeah. If I see the flower, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a sound in my mind. Well, yeah. Is it okay or don't do that? No, that's that that thought is perfect. That's exactly what's appropriate. You, yeah, I'm. You know, you are in the moment, experiencing the flower, and a recognition of it as beautiful arises in your mind. So, uh, it's the it's the thoughts that are not in the present and that are not directly related to what you're actually experiencing in the moment. That, uh, now those you wouldn't want to have. You wouldn't want to start thinking about well, what kind of a flower it is and, you know, uh, surprise it's out already this time of the year and maybe I'll plant that in my garden and my cousin has one like that. You know, that kind of thought you don't want. But just the thought that, oh, it's beautiful, you know, that's, that's very much in the present. Yeah, I know. I make sound in my mental. Mm-hmm. And like I thought, you, you tell us before, the soul could be sound or could be picture. Yes. Yeah, so it's okay, it's still mindfulness or not? It's still mindfulness, yeah. Especially, it's especially mindfulness if you're aware that, that you're having this thought arise. That, So that's good, and that's a good question. Thank you. I'm glad you didn't wait till tomorrow for that one. (laughs) Does anyone else have have any experiences with the method that I uh, showed you yesterday? If you've tried it, it, uh, any experiences that you're interested in in discussing? Yeah. Do you find the instruction you, you taught yesterday? It's also a good way to, um, to remain a little bit focused when we are busy with uh, uh, working and uh, an environment like kitchen or you know, doing your daily work meditation. Yes. You just um, be aware you are doing something. Mm-hmm. You are an observer. And then maybe also address that. So yes, question. Yes, that's... Uh that's exactly right. This practice is, uh, it's practice for all of those other situations where it is so easy for you to lose your mindfulness. And, uh, and of course that's what you want to do, is to be able to have more continuous mindfulness all of the time. So, yeah. 
And I also find that it's useful um, for a certain period of time, uh, you just pick up a, a one task. For example, if I'm eating, mm -hmm. so I don't pay attention to the, uh, the action of my hands. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just pay attention to the, to the flavor, flavor of the food. Mm -hmm. So just, if I sit there, I just pick that as a subject. Mm -hmm. If I'm washing, I can focus on the action of the washing, mm -hmm. or just the, uh, the, the sound of the dropping water. Mm -hmm. So maybe once a time, a subject, an object. Yes, but in particular, uh, notice, notice how your mind moves. If you're, you're attending to the, uh, the taste and the flavor of the food, but in the, the movements of your hand, you'll notice sometimes, sometimes your attention goes to those movements for a particular reason, and then it might go back. And the same thing, you might be washing the dishes, or you might be listening to the sound of the water, and one or the other, or some other thing, uh, becomes more prominently apparent in your, in your awareness. And so just notice how that's happening. If you try to, yeah, and, and, and this is about not trying to do anything in particular, it's just being the observer. Like I said, you imagine that, that it's somebody else's body and you've just dropped in for a visit <laughs> to see hmm, what's happening in there. Somebody else's body and mine. Yeah. Um, and so it's very important to remember that, that yes, the, the, the present moment is so rich with so many things happening that it is beyond all possibility that you can attend to them all. And if you thought you were supposed to, you'd find your mind just, you know, going, going crazy. So you just watch how, how the mind moves uh, through all of these different things from moment to moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have a question with the meta meditation. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I do meta for someone and this feeling coming just suddenly just like when I'm doing and there's some feeling coming like toward this person and what should I do with the feeling? Should I just keep do I looking in the feeling or should I just keep doing the meta? The a feeling towards the person other than the feeling of, of metta that you're generating, some different feeling? Um, um, that's, a, that's a very good question. It sort of depends on the kind of feeling it is. But most, especially if, for example, uh, you were directing metta towards a person and uh, the feeling of annoyance at them for something that they had done should arise. So in that moment, what you want to do is to see what is necessary to make the transition from annoyance to loving kindness and compassion. So what that comes from is that uh, instead of annoyance, see uh, if uh, you can find a basis for patience and understanding. And then from, if you can find the basis for patience 
uh, and then a basis, basis for understanding, then will come a basis for compassion, and from that to loving kindness. So in that process is the thinking? In that process is, well, not discursive thinking, but it's a definite activity of the mind that you're, you know, you're, you're looking for uh, the transformation of, of annoyance to patience. So you, you, you have a, an image of the person in mind and, and the feeling of annoyance has arisen in association with some, either some characteristic of theirs or some particular thing that they said and did. So it's that characteristic or that behavior that you're going to look at to see if you can find the basis for patience. Not thinking analytically, breaking it down into parts, but just uh, looking, observing, directing the attention into that, specifically to see if you can find a basis for patience, okay, or, or for understanding, or for some other uh, wholesome emotion or some other wholesome point of view that you can take the transition. And, and this is what's really wonderful, because here you're making, you're making a conversion from an unwholesome state of mind to a wholesome state of mind. And you're finding the means and the links for you to make that. Now, it might happen that you are unsuccessful in this. It might happen that... Uh, uh, and, and especially if you're doing a practice where you... Uh, uh, think of somebody that is a difficult person that you've had a problem with, and you're directing loving kindness towards them. And instead comes exactly these feelings, the, the, the reason that you picked them. Right? And that might be strong, and uh, the, it, it, it might be that you just, in this, is, in this moment, aren't, aren't really going to be able to easily see that and make that transmit, tran- transition. So that's all right. You just let go of that and just try to imagine that person being, being uh, happy, uh, being free from suffering. Just try to picture that. And that's what I like about it. If you imagine that, is uh, that if you, if you can visualize that they actually experience that feeling in that moment, wherever they are, you know, and they're surprised by it. And you have this feeling like, yeah, you think you're surprised. You'd really be surprised if you knew who was sending this to you. you know? And that will make you feel good. Yeah, and that will, that will tend to, you know, it's a kind of amusement, almost like you played a trick on them by sending them goodwill instead of animosity. The mind uh, seems to have a finite uh, capacity. Uh, like for example, if I if I fill with one thought of one, you know, for a person, there's no more room for other thoughts mm-hmm. for about that person. So it's really up to us uh, how we want to fill, say, that cup. If we fill that cup full of water, there's no room for anything else. That's so, true. So so it seems like we can easily. Manipulating. Well, it's not manipulating. It's just skillfully selecting what we want to put into that cup of water. That uh, cup. Yes, yes. That is true, and I agree with you. But it's sometimes difficult to do. 
you know, if if I if the uh, unwholesome feeling that you're experiencing towards that person is particularly strong, you know, it it, it may be really difficult. So what you so if you pour out the dirty water, you may find it immediately refills with dirty water, unless you can put something else in its place. So it's, it's all about finding something else to put in its place. And it's easy to manipulate other people, too. I notice it's like uh, when people talk bad things behind other people's back, you know. Uh, other people may initially have an overall positive uh, impression of this particular person, this the subject. Mm-hmm. And then but the, 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 the third person kept saying bad things about us, so bad things about this particular person. So this person, in essence, is replacing the good water with the bad water. Mm-hmm. It's quite easy to manipulate people, you know, in a positive or negative way. It is. And, yes. and it's, it is the same thing we can manipulate our mind skills. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a very good point. Just as what you tell another person can influence their view, what you tell yourself can influence your view. So, yeah, and when you find yourself... Uh, when you find yourself thinking negative thoughts about somebody, you know that is exactly the same as 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 that sort of divisive speech. And you're making an imprint. It, it's going. It, you'll you'll see the person the way that uh, the way that you've told yourself. So if if somebody has a habit that annoys you. And you run you run that in your mind. What you're doing is you're going to make sure that you you are more and more annoyed by that. Yes. And you can have exactly the opposite effect if you uh, if you don't let that run and, and instead you tell yourself something positive about that person, or even something positive about that uh, habit that annoys you. Mm-hmm. Because you believe what you tell yourself. And, and just like anything, you, um, like um, your analogy of that empty, the, the emptiness or the solidness of uh, the object you were talking about, it's quite quite the same, except that you can skillfully choose uh, what aspect to look at. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, very good. Sorry, I'm sitting here and listen, and uh, the word quite kind of caught me is manipulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I just wondering. When I know it's training mind, but pretty much it's manipulating, or we let go of ma- manipulating, and, and well, to observe deeper. Uh, see, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. Manipulation, as a word, has a negative connotation when we talk about doing it to other people. Because we we manipulate other people for our for our own ends, but uh, the basic principle of it is that you can uh, the the basic principle of manipulating another person is you can alter another person's uh, uh, view either in a good way or in a bad way through through the things that you say and, and the impressions that you convey. And while it is manipulation, and while if it's done for the wrong reasons, 
it deserves the negative connotation that we put on that particular word, manipulation. Nevertheless, the basic process uh, is something that can be done in a positive way instead of a negative way, and is something that we can do to ourselves. And we may question our right to manipulate anybody else, but we definitely have the right to manipulate ourselves in a positive way. And then, in which case, it's no longer, you know, maybe you'd like to use a different word for it, because it's no longer something that you would have that negative connotation with that you do with manipulation. Meta-meditation itself, it's really a form of manipulation, skillful manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, manipulation means to deliberately produce a change. So, okay. when you deliberately produce a change, whether it's whether it is a positive and wholesome thing or a negative and unwholesome thing, really depends on why you're doing it. Okay, then I guess um, you might meditate. Mm-hmm. I maybe should to do that. I don't know because as soon as I found out, I manipulate myself, including the breathing. Okay, mm-hmm. then. As soon as I will that, and maybe I will put attention on other, it's not continue for for this this manipulate in order for me to to that. So or uh, like I'm I'm sitting I'm I'm intention to get into the uh, concentration. But if I you know I I don't know I just want to confirm because then later on in my practice is that. If the thoughts come in the past, I just manipulate. Okay, okay, they go and back. Right? Mm-hmm. But then um, again, become is if that come, just watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, they go and, and instead of I want to manipulate, they go or mm-hmm. what? You know, because I I, I think I, my point is I a little bit confused manipulating and and wanting. Okay. You know the the, the things I wanting that to change. What's the difference? I think that I don't think that there's I don't think you're confused and I don't think there's any problem except that it's because of a particular word. Because if you you would say, okay, if uh, there's a, a, a thought coming and I try to drive it away uh, uh, because I don't want it in, in my meditation. You'd say that's manipulation, and from the point of view of your meditation practice, that's not skillful. It's better to just direct your attention away from the thought and allow it to go away by itself. Because if you try to push it away, it's going to come back. So it's it, that is not skillful. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, another situation is uh, in an interaction with a person you find an unwholesome. Uh, uh, attitude arising and you recognize it for what it is and let go of it that's different because that's skillful so the only thing is I think you quite understand there are some things that you can do with yourself that are wholesome and some things that are unwholesome and you personally might prefer to designate the unwholesome ones as manipulation. But everything that you do to influence the way your mind works 
isn't unwholesome or unskillful. Everything isn't unskillful. So if you personally like to use the word manipulation for the unskillful ones and a different word for the skillful ones, that's very good. That keeps them clear in your mind. So I don't think there's a problem here. It's just, to you, manipulation means the unskillful things. Yeah. Is, is the word manipulation uh, always used for as a negative thing? Have I? No, no. But some people, some manipulation is one of those words that that uh, people can misunderstand. Well, that people can use differently and have different preferences for. Mm-hmm. And so, for one person, they may only tend to use the word manipulation with regard to unskillful actions. But, you know, uh, somebody else may use that word in a different connotation. To manipulate something, you know, this is manipulation. (laughs) So it has has a very general, but in in all of the language we use, you know, we, we attach certain connotations to words and there's certain kinds of words that uh, we we use predominantly one way rather than another, but that doesn't mean that everybody else uses them that way. Because at the workplace, I manipulate my coworkers all the time because when they have hostility towards each other, <laughs> I, I try to help them understand that the other side, you know, these people, they have their circumstances mm-hmm. and their other aspects. I mean, they and you're comfortable understand. calling that manipulation, but somebody else might not be. They say, no, that's not manipulation because you're trying to help them and, uh, you know, you're not trying to control them, you're just trying to mm. help them. So that's not manipulation. But to you it's manipulation, you know, it's just, just the it's a personal choice of what word do we want to use. And this is the problem with any language, is we don't all have exactly the same meanings attached with every word, so we can confuse each other. Yeah, because most of the time people act in a selfish way and they manipulate with a selfish intention. Exactly. So that word is always being associated with something negative. But then, you know, as a Buddhist, we manipulate for, for good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're somebody that's very aware of how everybody is always manipulating people for selfish reasons, you may prefer not to use the word manipulation for that. So what's a better word? <laughs> <laughs> uh, skillful means. Eh? Skillful means. <laughs> Well, it doesn't really convey this failure. Well, you know, the, trying to the, uh, convince people to, to be a positive influence. Positive influence. Yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't <laughs> still. It was. It's not as precise. But, no. But well, it, yeah. Okay. I, I see your point. Okay. It's not my job to find a precise. Word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because obviously, you know, this is the second time that I use that word. People had the very adverse uh, uh, reaction to do it. Yeah. And so that's just a good reminder to you that that uh, you need to pay attention to people's reactions to discern if they understand words the same way that you do. I see. wondering how this one, you know, come out, why I don't 
like him or her. Because um, I tried to analyze. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, teacher told us we are non-self and empty. Mm-hmm. So this person is supposed to be empty, right? Mm-hmm. And what makes him the personality is the thought and the karma. So actually I'm dealing with this thought and karma. With this person's thought and the karma, the thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't have this uh, idea, like or don't like mm-hmm. his uh, karma, or what he's thinking. This is this the way it is. I shouldn't mad on mm-hmm. the emptiness and uh, some karma, mm-hmm. bunch of karma. Then uh, after I, I, I have this thought come out. Then I feel happier because mm-hmm. uh, I understand our body just a slave of uh, the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you told me, uh, if this karma go away, this body you know separate is everything's emptiness. Mm-hmm. So then I feel the compassion. More stronger because uh, this person is a slave of his karma, his thought. That's yeah. I shouldn't be mad what his attitude or what he's doing. Um, then I think we should show our true face, true face all the time, and uh, smiling all the time because. Uh, Wherever the people they like us or don't like, you know, this uh, their karma, their thought, nothing to do with me. So this is correct. Well, it, it is correct, but there's another side to it too, and that's that you have to remember that how you see that person, that's your karma. How that person is, is their karma. Yes. And how they think and their attitudes are their karma. But in fact, do you really know what that person thinks? And do you really know that person's attitudes? You can know that person's actions. You can see the actions. But when you begin to impute the thoughts and the attitudes and the characteristics, then from that point on, it's not something that you can you can really know, you know, you can know that, yes, I saw that man strike that child. And because your eyes, you know, that's a, that's a perfectly valid cognition, you saw it happen. But beyond that, uh, you don't know. And not only that, your experience is your karma. And so when you in a more general sense, not this specific example, but when you encounter somebody and you you tend to believe that you know things more about them than you do, and then you have a judgment, you know, uh, and uh, all of this is coming from inside of you. Why is it that certain kinds of people that you don't like? Well, 
sometimes we don't even know what it is, why we don't like somebody, but we just feel that way. If we could examine the contents of our mind, our mind, we might find that the only reason we don't like them is they remind us of somebody that hurt us a long time ago, and we've forgotten about that. But we still, uh, we're still reminded, and, and, and so we tend to feel towards that person the way we did towards the other person. Sometimes, an interesting thing is that when a person doesn't like something about somebody else, if they were to look really closely, the reason they don't like it is it's something about, it, it's they have the same characteristic in themselves and they don't like it. So, in many different ways, and these are just two examples, in many different ways, the experiences that we're having of other people are coming from ourselves, not from them. And that is the, that is the emptiness of that person as well. So, now, on the one hand, even if you see, if, if you, what you know is based on action, and not your perception of their attitudes or their thoughts or what kind of person they are, but their action. You need to restrain yourself from judging the person because you don't know where the action originates. And you may be absolutely correct in saying that this is not a good action. This is something that would better not have happened if a man strikes a child, as an example. It's... uh, I mean, even there, there may be some very remote, hard-to-imagine reason why maybe that might even be a good thing, you know, but probably not. But nevertheless, to judge the person goes vastly beyond what we can do, and all of that judgment is really, and that perception is our own karma. So, better to have compassion. You see a person do something and recognize, ah, that person is suffering in some way. This action came out of their own their own suffering. Even actions that most overtly come from desire are ultimately coming from suffering. You know, because the, the, the desire is a manifestation of the suffering that the person is trying to overcome. So, while you may condemn a person's action, what you should have towards the person themselves is, is compassion. Compassion because their action comes from suffering and compassion because their action brings consequences. That person is bringing further suffering upon themselves. And so that's, that's the other side of the emptiness uh, of other people is, is realizing that it's a projection of our own mind and it's our karma that all, all, how the experience we have in the moment is our karma. You're welcome. Yes. So, I have a question with the compassion. So, uh, I have experience like uh, there was time I was in the hospital and the lady was next to my bed mm-hmm. and she was kind of really unhappy and suffering a lot from her illness. Mm-hmm. So I'm compared to her, and my physical and my mental state is better than her, so I feel like I can help her, and mm-hmm. then I cannot talk to her, and then we cannot, like, like in this relationship in a couple of days, 
and there was one day and she suddenly just stopped to like uh, doing the poo-poo uh, uh, on her bed, like she can't go to the mm-hmm. toilet. And and because she had this kind of sickness, it's like she can't go to the, do the poo-poo every day, but mm-hmm. she, she has like, I think her husband told me that like she eat for like a two weeks or three weeks and then she can't do the purple thing in two weeks and but suddenly like she has to do it like a lot, a lot in just a couple of days. And I was in next to her bed. And so the, before she had this purple thing and I feel compassion for her. <laughs> but then once she do the purple thing and just one time and I said, Oh yeah, this smell really bad and I <laughs> and I was eating and I just feel like oh I feel really sad for her that she had to just suffering from this thing and and then but then after one hour she did it again mm-hmm. and then she, like maybe a couple times and I start feeling angry as I said, oh, I can't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I walk outside the room, then whole floor, and people outside just like, oh yeah, I smell bad, bad, bad. <laughs> And I'm next to her, and I smell really bad, and day after day, and it happened, and I still feeling the anger more and more inside of her, and, then, and, and I feel bad that I feel anger toward her because I know that she's suffering. And mm-hmm. she's yearning and in a lot of pain. So, and there's one night it was really cold, and and I just decided I can't stand. I have to go outside and kind of like sleep outside the, the room. And I got a cold, and then I really sick, and I get a cold, so I have more anger to her. And to the point that when I look at her, I just can't give her a smile. I just kind of like. So in this sense, I don't know how to really like <laughs> have compassion and only like also the love and also deal with my anger. And is this my bad karma? Like, isn't it my karma at that moment? Or I, so I kind of. Yeah, that's your karma at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. See, you're. You have you had karma that gave rise to compassion, but you also had karma that gave rise to anger. And then, if you think about what happened, is that when the anger arose, you you fed it, you allowed it to be there, you identified with it, and you gave it more energy, and the anger became more forceful. You were creating, by doing that, you were creating karma. You were creating a karma in the present that reinforced the karma that was already there from the past. And the result was more anger and more anger. And what is so beautiful about the story that you say is so wonderful is that because of your anger, you went outside and you became sick because of something that you did. And then you went back, and you became even more angry. Yeah. So, I, I, and this is that's that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that because 
This illustrates, this is what we do all the time. This is what we do all the time. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and it just shows how something like anger uh, compounds itself. And it takes a lot of skill to deal with anger. Because anger is a feeling that you can't, you can't just drive it away. You can't make it go away. And when anger is present, it demands that it, is, it has a right to be there, that, you know, uh, that it is the only reasonable way that you could be feeling and reacting. It seems, it, it carries with it this illusion that, that it's totally justified and it makes it very difficult to deal with. And one of the ways that we can weaken the uh, control that anger has over us is by reflecting on how our anger makes us suffer, how our anger destroys our happiness, uh, how our anger leads to uh, words and actions that produce more suffering for us in the future, and how our anger only creates more anger. When we can see those things, and each time, each time you notice these things, what the effect that this has, this is, this is a new kind of karma that is an anti-anger karma. Because by recognizing these truths about anger, uh, you, you counteract to that anger karma, you make it weaker. It may still arise, but it won't have as much power. And if you, if you make this observation about the nature of anger often enough, Anger will, uh, anger will disappear. It's a very interesting thing. Even with extreme foulholders that are constantly there, which is similarly to like extreme discomfort, you know, yeah. pain of other sorts. So, so I, I can imagine it's got to be extremely difficult. Oh yeah, very difficult, right? Very difficult. Because it's con- because the cup is constantly being filled. Before you dump it, it immediately fills up with the right. disgust of the odor. That's right. Yeah, so, so the, the aversion is yeah. it's not easy to overcome in that situation. Yeah, it, it's not easy to overcome at all. And, of course, the first thing is, you know, is to do anything reasonably that you can do to, to improve the situation. You know, and we don't need to go into that kind of detail in this particular instance, mm-hmm. but... If there is any reasonable and practical thing that you can do to uh, modify the situation and to help yourself, then of course you should do that. And then when you have exhausted the extent of the things that can reasonably be done, from that point you need to uh, you need to be working on your own mind and your own reactions. So this is aversion. You know, uh, what's being described here is something that's unpleasant. The smell is unpleasant. It gives rise to aversion. Uh, and, but this is, this is how that aversion eventually leads into anger. And, of course, anger leads into, uh, if, if it's unrestrained, leads into to cruelty and destruction and causing harm. And so there is a progression here that... Uh, in the beginning, it's, it's just an unpleasant experience. Then it's being filled with aversion. 
and then and then it converts to anger. So you see the progression just gets worse and worse as it goes along. And to to your credit, at least from what you told us, the anger did not come to the point of cruelty. You didn't do or say something that would would strike out towards the person. But some some people would have. You know, and that's 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 how it can that's that's the that would be the continuation of it. This is very interesting because, uh, uh, like other people's cruelty, you know the reasons why people don't like them is also like a form of sickness. It's kind of like you know that person, you know, couldn't help but but uh, you know poop in poop constantly mm-hmm. with extreme fat odor, <laughs> just like um, um, like a very very angry, you know, very dis- disagreeable, very unlikable person. You know, this person is seriously sick mm-hmm. and. And and it, uh, the same principle applies. You yeah, know, this person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this person is constantly oozing out, yeah. you know, very very foul <laughs> manners, <laughs> and we should have sympathy towards. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. You know, you're, you're saying it reminds me. I have a uh, uh, somebody who lives not too far away from me who is like that, and. All the other people are around, you know. They, they really don't don't like him. And, uh, if if his name comes up, then they're just <laughs> on, on, sounds and, like my and, name. And, <laughs> he did this, and does that, but, you know. But uh, you know, but I always treat him like a friend because uh, I figure he doesn't have very many friends, so he needs he needs anybody that <laughs> anybody can. Um, but yeah. It's a sickness with him. It's no different. He can't help himself. He doesn't like being like that. Although his particular person justifies being like that. Right. That's his reaction, is that he really can't help being like that. But since he can't help being like that, he's not going to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm helpless. He's going to say, say he's going to justify it and say, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's why they stay like that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Before we go to the other topic, I really want to say very grateful, Maple. Uh, you 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 say this. I think there's a courage and uh, uh, very authentic for you to to you know express your feeling in that. And I think uh, I learned a lot and uh, more mindful, you know, regarding to some because a lot of times I said, yeah, like in a rational uh, 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 rationalize say why I have this. Feeling or attitude, but I really appreciate and grateful you. you you're so authentic and, and, and express even you. You know uh, how uh, wholesome and unwholesome the things, and I really appreciate. Thank you so much. You know, and as a person's understanding deepens, and they start to recognize the way things really are, then they begin to recognize somebody else's suffering as your own suffering. And uh, Garchan Rinpoche, so you and Scott had a chance to listen to, uh, he spent many years in prison. In a prison where there was forced labor and there was torture. And he was imprisoned because he was a Buddhist monk. Uh, And so uh, within the prison they were trying to continue 
their practice and training as much as they possibly could, in spite of the fact that it was forbidden, and they would be beaten and tortured if they were found, you know, doing any of the practices for which they'd been in prison. And yet, his attitude towards those who imprisoned him is compassion. You know, it, it, when he talks about them, he talks about uh, the compassion he feels for them, and uh, you know, some of them didn't want to do what they did, but they didn't know what else to do, and others uh, took pleasure in it, but they brought upon you know the the bad karma that they were bringing upon themselves. He just feels compassion for it, rather than blaming blaming them and things like that. So this is. This is the potential that we have. Is uh, not not just to have compassion, even in the sake, even in the face of unpleasantness, but when unpleasantness goes to the extreme of forced labor and torture and attempt to suppress a person's religious practices, and and, and indeed, uh, many of those prisoners died. So I mean, it's it was to the to that extreme. Do you have to be invited to have that kind of capability to to love the person who's constantly torturing you? Yeah. You, you have to be invited. I, I think you do. I don't think that comes until... Which fruit of enlightenment? What's that? <laughs> Which fruit of enlightenment? Which fruit? Well, uh, it comes by degrees with all of them. But I think you, you've got to be Right up there with the top fruits when it's the when it's the people that torture you. Because that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible for me to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, I have bad experiences in the past, mm-hmm. and I, I forget. I can, you know, let go of those uh, angers and hatreds. Mm-hmm. But but you know, it's in no comparison to yeah. to the level of torture and the constant torture, and even at that time when they're torturing him, mm-hmm. he can. Mm-hmm. He can uh, be be so incredibly kind. Still fill the mind with love and kindness. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Something very wonderful to, to work on. <laughs> it is, yeah. Actually, I think that that kind of compassion actually is by freeing, basically free your own mind. That's right. I mean, sometimes I, if I'm agitated or angry at some person, and the moment I feel loving kindness, I have compassion toward the action, I feel immediately much better. That's right. Yeah, yeah because our, uh, uh, those emotions that we have, we don't enjoy them. Yeah. And to be able to free ourselves of them is to immediately diminish our suffering and increase our own happiness. Well, it sounds really, really clear and logical, but why is it so extremely difficult to do when, when people are tortured? Because the mind is constantly being filled with pain and aversion. I think that aversion, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it takes steps. Well, the reason uh, the reason it's so difficult is it is triggering the most uh, basic kind of drives that we have within us, you know, and it is very much. As, as long as we still believe in ourselves as, uh, as, as the, the self is some permanent substantial entity that is being subjected to this, 
it's uh, those drives are going to be at their peak, at their maximum. Mm-hmm. So a person who has can have a lot of compassion in other circumstances. When confronted with that, you know, uh, somebody starts crushing your fingers one at a time. It's not only the pain; it's that's my body you're right, destroying. Right. That finger will never work again. Right. You know? Right. You depend on it to do everything. That's right. So it triggers the strongest of all drives. Yes. Uh, to, and uh, you know, you can't actually do anything about the situation, so it all becomes emotion of, of hatred. Even people with with the wisdom to accomplish uh, the high fruits, their karmas can still be pretty horrific. I mean, the kind of the kind of you know uh, bad karma they can suffer is still pretty horrific. But the, like like the, the physical torture of what you just described, you know, these people who torture all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. You know, if you look at if you look at the at the sutras, you'll find stories of uh, enlightened people who suffered severely in, in ways, including the chief disciples of the Buddha himself. Um, great suffering. Uh, well, I shouldn't say suffering because I want to use I want to use that word to distinguish between yeah between suffering and the pain of the body and the pain, pain of, uh, of difficult situations. So, yes, they are still subjected to those things, but by virtue of being uh, enlightened, then they don't need to suffer in response to them. The pain, pain is only pain. The loss is only loss. The constant pain has to be pretty. Constant pain has, has got to be pretty, <laughs> pretty unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> constant pain, yeah. And, uh, And, some, and constant pain can be very destructive to a person's uh, mind and their and their personality. So, you know, best to fortify yourself against it before you have it. Yes. But there, there again, I, I know of a person in Tucson. She is crippled with severe rheumatoid arthritis which is very painful, and often even medication won't help it. But uh, she, she started meditating originally just to help her deal with the pain. Uh, now, you know, she still has more, she has more pain because the disease has gotten worse, but she's bothered by it less than ever at all, and she teaches meditation too. So. Actually, in some, some, some in some ways, actually very beneficial. Like I said, Goenka, the reason why he wanted to learn how to meditate is because he had these, uh, these chronic headaches. So he actually motivated him to do a lot of good things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 In fact, we talk about, I don't know too much about karma, but I really uh, um, feel the one way is that, you know, those kind of a hardship circumstance, in fact, is is uh, if the, the invited person or one person loves it, if can go through that and still not lose or still enhance that uh, virtue, then other circumstances happen, never can take that away. Mm-hmm. That means that the circumstance 
even though it's so hardship, but but, but contribute to, to to for this person become even further to to that. Just like a gotcha hand on rubber chain. Um, in that twenty years, if those people tor- tortured him, it's not take away his uh, kindness and compassion. Then his compassion is so so perfect, perfect, and, and, and so purely, and no, no any other circumstance can take away anymore. That's right. He's already so, been through the harshest test. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. So in, instead of saying, I don't know, I don't know too much about me, saying, okay, how come these enlightened people still have karma, need to go through this uh, terrible uh, situation? And I think, in come to the certain level, I think that terrible situation become the the te- test. You know, for 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 these enlightened people, get even further and get even crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not necessarily uh, further, just that he, he did well in the test. Not necessarily, it means that they have further their abilities, their wisdom. But it, but the thing is, for 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 people like me, I think it's awesome that I get to see the power of uh, the Dharma. Yeah. Because uh, of course it's terrible that he, you know this person went through uh, so much pain. But the thing is, the the way he was able to maintain his peace and, and kindness. It's uh, you know it's a show. It's a show of you know some super super power. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I just remember the one story, but I don't want to go through the story. Okay, that is the that. But if the person want to really learn what is forgiveness, if the circumstance and things happen so smoothly, never know what is forgiveness mean. Mm-hmm. Unless the circumstance, the people treat him so badly and so so hurt so much, and then he can go into and, and really forgive. Then this is the um, the things he really. But if no this kind of circumstance, he said, "Okay, I'm so forgive. But use everything. Treat everybody treat me so good, and definitely I feel like I can forgive any little things." Well, I would imagine <laughs> an enlightened person even. Never um, um, having that kind of a trial would uh, would still do just as well if they were given the same test. If they're truly enlightened, yeah. Yeah, if they're truly enlightened, they will do well in that test. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, re- you know, being enlightened does not require us to get tortured. I didn't tell you about that part. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be quicker. <laughs> maybe it will be a lot slower. <laughs> uh, you know, very interesting, when I see those enlightened people, I start to wonder how, how much courage they, they, they have, you know, in this hardship and that, including Jesus. If we talk about this Buddha and other things, but including Jesus. You know, the, the thing, and, and, and if we use the normal, we say karma, I, I don't put that together. Okay, I feel like uh, he, you know, Jesus, he, he goes through that and, and with this tremendous courage and face it and do not, do not escape from that hardship. That's true. That, that's a very good example. Yeah. And what, what did he say before he died? He said, forgive them. <laughs> Then um, one of the reasons that they can do that, the enlightened people, 
interesting because at that point they don't have, they are not self, right? They don't have, so they don't see their body, they don't, they don't like feel their body is that important. So they just think that their body is just a, a tool for the manifestation of the Buddha nature. And it, it is, uh, it's true that they regard their body as an instrument. And they regard their body as just as important, but no more important than any other person's body. Yeah. But they still feel the pain. Great suffering is associated with just being restrained and overwhelmed by the power of others. Even if even if they don't cause one iota of physical pain, just that that itself. So, um, uh, just very very quickly, just want sorry. Uh, That's your lunch, man. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Many many years ago, I had a dream about getting shot to death. Um, <laughs> And then I was bleeding to death. But the thing is, I, I, I had absolutely no anger or hatred, and I entirely forgave the person who shot me. And I was actually entirely at peace. Of course, I, I'm, I'm imagining it's, it's probably a lot easier to do in a dream than in real life. Or maybe, maybe it's not, not, so, not so far off. I don't know. Because I, I got many times in my, you know, I had many dreams of death for many years. And I got in all... All sorts of ways. There was like the most recent one. I always thought I, I had a terminal illness. I was going to die in three days, and uh, and I just started calling people to, to thank them. <laughs> That's a, you're just a bodhisattva who calling. <laughs> you're already enlightened. I must be. Well, thank you. This was a very enjoyable discussion. And so uh, I'll let you go to eat and have a wonderful afternoon of practice.